Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I'm really glad that Andrew's family's here today. We'd be very small with a few families away and a few, few sick. Um, but welcome, welcome. Uh, one of my earliest childhood memories uh, was when I was a little kid, our whole family went into town for some reason. So my hometown's Gundawindi, and we lived about half an hour out of town. And um, mum and dad and my older brother and younger sister and I were all walking down the main street of Gundawindi and I don't know why this event stands out so much but I can remember exactly where we were. We were on the south side of the street walking in a westerly direction. We were somewhere near the old picture theatre that was there. And um, me being an independent little kid, maybe four or five years old, I'm not sure exactly how old I was at the time but pretty pretty young, I decided I, I don't have to walk behind mum and dad anymore and I don't have to, now that I'm a big boy, I don't have to walk beside, I'm holding onto the hands, I'm going to go out the front. And so I did. And uh, that was good for a while but then mum and dad stopped at a shop and I didn't know and I just kept going and they, they sung out to me, Michael, Michael, come back here and oh, oh okay and I ran back and that was all fine. Um, but then after we started walking again, everything was good for a little bit, but my, my clearest and most painful memory of that day, isn't it strange that it's the painful times that we remember, um, but my most, my most painful memory at the time was I was out in front, but then I must have slowed down a bit and Dad trod on the back of my foot, hit, trod on the heel of my foot, and it hurt like billy-o and it pulled the pulled the shoe off and I remember standing on the street looking back at dad going, what did you do that for? You know, as if he'd done it on purpose. And he simply said, if you're going to walk out in the front, you've got to keep clear of my feet. And um, I had to then go and sit down on a step of the shop nearby and uh, put my shoe back on. Totally embarrassed and in pain and really sad. And now while that really hurt, that was a big lesson for me, 
and it's a lesson I've never forgotten, that to prevent pain, I had to keep in step with my dad. And, you know, that, that's the way that we can sometimes be with God. We get all independent, and we want to go off in our own way and out, set our own pace and set off ahead. And then when we get hurt, we look back at God and we go, what did you do that for? Why did you let that happen? Today we're going to be talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. Last week, we talked about how those who belong to Christ has, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Um, the flesh is that worldly part of us, that, that propensity that we have to sin. It's that part of us that wants to rebel against God and wants to put ourselves as number one. And before we became Christians, we were led by the flesh. But when we repent of who we were and we repent of our sin, the sin against God and our rebellion against God, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we turn ourselves totally over to him, that's when we're born again. Uh, to put to death our old fleshly self and then be raised anew with Christ. That's what being born again is about. And so now we belong to Christ Jesus. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Uh, and we were told last week that the works of the flesh are evident. We just read it again there. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, to the spiritual person, that whole list of works of the flesh there, that's evident, isn't it? We don't need to be told those things. It's evident. And we finished last week with a rather brutal verdict where Paul is saying to this church in Galatia, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's a verdict that he spoke to Christians, which is why Paul is saying now to this church in Galatia, and he's saying it to us today, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, living by the Spirit begins when we put to death the flesh and we're born again in Christ. But the thing is, from then on, there is going to be a continuous battle between the flesh and between the Spirit. And we talked about this last week. We didn't used to have that battle because we were controlled by the flesh. There was nothing to battle against the flesh. But now that we're in Christ, we have the Spirit living in us and the Spirit is showing us a new, different way. So what's it mean to live by the Spirit? You know, some people want to, to highlight spiritual signs and wonders. And they say, right, living by the Spirit is all about the supernatural happenings, the supernatural healings, the prophecies, the speaking in spiritual languages, falling over in the Spirit, and you can add your own favourite sign or wonder there. But do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 16, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. Right? It, it's actually the flesh that is craving to see signs. 
But more importantly, when Jesus talked about the fruit of the Spirit, um, he was actually telling us how to distinguish between a godly teacher and a false teacher, between a godly prophet and a false prophet. He said this in Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognise them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognise them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty things in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, that's rather sobering, isn't it? Uh, to live by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. It's not about signs and wonders. Yeah, when we start thinking about spiritual things, that's usually what we try and we start thinking about as signs and wonders, but it's not talking about that. In fact, many people, many um, who call Jesus Lord and claim to have done these things, claim to have prophesied in his name and claim to have cast out demons in his name and, and to have done mighty works in Jesus' name, and, and, and by the appearance of this, they truly believed that they did. And yet to them, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am not saying that anybody who does spiritual signs and wonders is a false teacher or a false prophet. And we thank God and we praise God for the times when God acts and does his mighty works and his miracles and so on. We... We praise God for these things. But we should never equate supernatural signs and wonders as living by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit or walking in the Spirit um, because supernatural signs follow false prophets too. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that false Christs and false prophets will arise and what are they going to do? They will perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Right? So living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit is not about a demonstration of signs and wonders. What it is about is about a life that's transformed in Christ Jesus. It's about a life that is not only put to death the works of the flesh, 
but it's a life that's keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, I, I don't keep any statistics on these things. Um, you'd think I was crazy if I did, and yes, I certainly don't do that. But I reckon if I did keep statistics on this, I'm pretty certain that there's a couple of verses in what we read this morning are some verses that I would quote more often than any other scripture when I, when I give, when I'm preaching. And the reason that I find myself quoting these verses over and over and over again is because it gives us a picture of the wonderful, beautiful transformation that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. Uh, this, this transformation is the antithesis of the old fleshly man or the old fleshly woman that we once were. That, that's a big fancy word to mean, that, which means it, it's really different. It's pretty much the opposite. It's everything about our being, everything about who we once were is totally changed. Before we were saved, God knew that we were totally depraved, right? We once were vile, despicable enemies of God. And yet God loved us, not because he saw the good in us. You know how we, we, sort of, we get told in, in general society, oh, you've just got to see the good in people and then you'll, you'll know how to love them. You know what? When God looks at us, he goes, yeah, don't see any good there. But, but he loved us no matter. And, and that's the whole point. Even though we, there was nothing there to love, he loved us so much that he gave his own son to us. See, but he also knew that in Christ, all of that sin could be dealt with. All of that sin could be taken away. And, and he looks at us and our sin to him, it isn't just cancelled. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to overlook that. No, it's been totally dealt with. It's been taken away. It's been atoned for. That's why Christ died on the cross. He took all of our sin away from us and he took it onto himself when Christ died on the cross. He redeemed us. And so when God, God looks upon the repentant sinner, the sin's gone and he sees the very righteousness of Christ. And he doesn't leave it at that. He then fills us with his Holy Spirit. He writes his law on our hearts. Why does he do that? I'll tell you why. It's so that we can be led by the Spirit and walk with the Spirit. And this is what that looks like. Here comes this verse, which, which I believe I quote more often than any other. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Just before it, We've heard what the works of the flesh look like. They're awful. And then he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now here it comes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, spiritual signs and wonders, that, that, those things can be faked. That, that's what happened with, 
Pharaoh's magicians did that when, when Moses stood before him and Moses performed these signs and wonders and some of those were copied. They can be faked. They, they can be an illusion. They can be a suggestion. And when it comes to healing, it can be like a placebo effect. So somebody says you're healed and then you might feel better for a couple of days and then not anymore. Um, it can be manipulation. But also, and this is the most dangerous, Satan himself can mimic signs and wonders, such as he did with Pharaoh. But what cannot be faked and what has to be genuine is a life totally transformed to the likeness of Christ. Now, somebody might be able to fake one or two things, right? So somebody might be able to show a bit of joy and show a bit of kindness, but then not be very patient and, and not so gentle. But the first thing we need to understand about the fruit of the spirits is to understand that the fruit is singular. And this is something which is made a little bit more complex because of our English language, right? We run into this problem because for us, fruit, the word fruit can mean either singular or plural, right? So I might say to Robin, Robin, I'm going to go to the shop and buy some fruit. And so she doesn't know if, she's, if I'm going to come home with one banana or a whole bunch of bananas or two bananas and six oranges. Either way, I, I've gone to the shop and come home with fruit. Are you with me? So in the English, it can be singular or it can be plural, but, but in the Greek, um, the, the Greek word used here is karpos, which is fruit singular. They have a different word for plural fruit, right? So there is only one fruit, different flavors. Uh, my mum has always loved to garden. And back on the farm, she had this large shade cloth area. Well, large by household standards, minute compared to Neil's shade cloth area out there. But, um, and in this shade cloth area, we had a big water tank as well, full of, full of rainwater. And so it sort of worked as a heat sink. So in the summer, in that shade cloth area, beautiful and cool. In the winter, it, it kept things pretty warm compared to outside, our farm was, we used to get a lot more frost there than Gundawindi, and Gundawindi gets more frost than here. Uh, so it's a fair bit colder than here. But under that shade cloth area, she could grow all sorts of things. And she, she had this great big plant called a Monstera deliciosa. Does anybody know that plant? Some of you do. Some of you might even have it as a pot plant inside. They're a reasonably common pot plant. Well, she had this growing out in the shade cloth area. Anyway, it was a big event for us when it happened because it didn't happen very often because I think too cold, too cold a region. But every now and then this plant would grow a fruit and um, it sort of looks a bit like a breadfruit or a corn cob and it often gets described as being one fruit, many flavours. Has anyone ever tasted a Monsteria Deliciosa? The same two people that have the plant. How would you describe the flavour? Beautiful, yum. The thing is, you, you might ask one person, they go, oh, it tastes like a pineapple. And then you ask somebody else, and they go, well, it tastes a bit like a banana. And then you ask somebody else, it tastes a bit like a mango. Um, I just summed it up as it tastes like fruit salad, right? A bit, bit of everything. It, it's one fruit, many flavours. And this is the best illustration I could come up with for the fruit of the Spirit. 
One fruit, many flavours. The fruit is the character of Christ, the character of Jesus actually growing in our hearts. But it has many flavours. So we all have the same Holy Spirit, the Son of God, in our lives. And so we should expect that the fruit of that Spirit of Christ would be the same in each of us. It is the one fruit, many flavours. And so it's not about me being full of joy and kindness, but lacking love and patience. If I am keeping in step with the Spirit, the one fruit, all of these flavours, is the evidence that I'm walking in the Spirit. Are you with me? We're talking about the character of Christ. So if I tell you these characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do all of those words beautifully and perfectly describe Jesus? You're allowed to nod your head. I feel like Andrew now. Nod your head, yes, yes. Of course, they beautifully describe Jesus. And if any of these things are lacking, that's a sure sign that I'm not walking by the Spirit. You with me? Right. So walking in the Spirit isn't about signs and wonders. It's about the transformational work of Christ in our hearts. Paul's just told us that, that it's, it's slavery to be tied to the laws of God, right? This is what this whole book of Galatians is about. Stop being tied to the law. It's slavery to be tied to the laws of God, but the beautiful thing is that living by the Spirit fulfills the law of God because against such things there is no law. Love. Love should be our core business. I'm pretty sure I said that last week. Love for God. Love for one another. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The Apostle Paul said, if we don't love, we're nothing. Said that in Corinthians. Joy. Now, joy is a funny one. Um, we get joy confused, I think, sometimes with fleshly happiness. Um, joy is not dependent on our fleshly happiness. It, it's a spiritual gladness. Right? Now, now, your song, your, sorry, your life might be like a sad country song. Um, you know how some of the country songs, you know, you, you know the, the drought's killed all the crops and the, then the flood comes and washes your stock away and the ute's broken down under a tree and your best dogs run away and then you run over your wife's favourite cat and your kids won't talk to you and, and then to top it off, your favourite footy team's at the bottom of the ladder, right? So that might describe your life, the words of a sad country song. But, but the joy isn't dependent on happy goings-ons in our lives. Your life might be like a sad country song and yet your heart can be filled with an immense joy. It's a joy that has our eyes fixated on eternity. It's not fixed on today. 
It, it doesn't matter that I've got no money because God will provide me with what I need and boy, oh boy, I'm going to be wealthy in heaven, just filled with the glory of God. It's a joy that comes from knowing that we're loved by God. You can, you can, have, you can feel nobody loves me. Who cares? Because God does. God loves me so much. And it's a joy that focuses on the resurrection of Christ. The fact that Jesus is raised, the fact that Jesus lives, means that disciples of Jesus are raised too. And there are many, many stories of disciples of Jesus who have been killed because they were witnesses for Jesus. They were martyred for Jesus. And yet, even as they were being brutally slain, they sang hymns of joy. Why? Because their faith is in something so much greater than this shallow life that we have. That's the sort of joy that we have in Christ. And if I, if I come to church hoping that, okay, it's, it's not going to be long until we're going to have these... Um, Electric cars. Does anyone here have an electric car yet? I know we've got a lot of visitors from... No, no electric cars yet. You know how I know? Because you got to St George. Uh, <laughs> if, if you had an electric car, you'd still be a gun to India, I think. Um, but you know how electric car, you sort of can only go so far and then you've got to go and get the re recharge, right? Now, if... If church is like that with your joy, I, I can only get through the week and then I just get to church and <gasps> then I can get the recharge and I'm filled with joy again. If that's your story, then there's something seriously wrong with your walk with God. The joy of your life should be a part of your every day of the week. And so when we come to church, this is a place for us to express the joy that's been building all during the, during the week. As we walk with Christ, as we keep in step with the Spirit, even through tough times, the joy grows and then we come together and we're sort of like one great big bundle of joy as we worship Jesus together. And, and we don't just express joy here in church. We express the joy of the Lord out in the world. And this is what people see and give praise to God for. Peace. When we keep in step with the Spirit, we can be filled with trust. Uh, that This is what our faith in God is about. We trust Him. And so no matter what's going on, um, not only will we have joy, but we will have peace. If we have a true faith in God, we trust Him and we know that He has everything in hand. God's got this. Patience. Uh, a few of you may have prayed the prayer, Lord, give me patience and, and give it to me now. Um, anyone ever prayed a prayer a bit like that? Yeah? Okay. Now, the Greek word for patience uh, is macrothumia. It means big suffering, long suffering, right? So, Probably the most common way that we use our word patience, there's a couple of different ways we can use it, but probably about the most common way is, oh, I suppose I can be patient. I suppose I can wait an extra five minutes for my cup of coffee from Stevie Jeans because they're so busy, um, right? So it's sort of like, 
I can just wait a little bit longer and that's one sort of patience. But that's not the sort of patience we're talking about here. Um, here we're talking about big suffering. We're talking about long suffering. Probably the best way to describe patience is it's the opposite to being short-tempered, right? So if in, if in English we had a word long-tempered as the opposite of short-tempered, that's the word we're talking about here, patience. Uh, this sort of patience is about restraint. When the flesh is urging me to anger, I have this spiritual restraint. And so when somebody does you wrong and you just want to lash out and retaliate and get back at them, and that's what the flesh is urging you to do, well, the spiritual answer to this is patience. The spirit restrains the fleshly urge to retaliate. Kindness. Once again, probably the easiest way to describe kindness is to tell you the opposite, nastiness, right? Uh, it, it's doing good even to those who have wronged you. God is kind. And a genuine kindness is something that just about everyone will warm to, isn't it? But it has to be genuine. Because, you know, some people fake kindness. And you've probably seen this. Maybe you've had a, a boss who's a real nasty piece of work. and um, But then, you know, something bad happens to someone and you see them, oh, I suppose I've got to try and be kind to them and show a bit of niceness. And, and you see this nasty piece of work trying to show a bit of kindness to somebody and it's sort of like, it's just not working, is it? Right? It, it's, when we fake kindness, we can see it for what it is. Uh, but when we actually have the kindness of God, something which is an innate part of us because the character of Jesus is growing in us, we can be kind like Jesus is kind. Goodness. Uh, when someone described Jesus as being good, do you remember what Jesus said? He said, why do you call me good? Nobody's good except God alone. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus said that, he wasn't saying, I'm not good. What Jesus was saying, the goodness you see in me is God. That's the godliness. Goodness, without a doubt, is a character of God. And the only way that you can be good, the only way that I can be good, is by the Spirit of God. And the, the type of goodness that, that's represented by the Greek word here is it, it's a goodness demonstrated by generosity. Uh, this word goodness is, is so closely linked to the word generosity. It, it's an uprightness that a person has when they give, when they give generously. Right? So a good person will see come across another person in the street, a destitute person, somebody who has nothing, and will say, come home with me and I'll give you something to eat. Right? This is the sort of goodness we're talking about. Faithfulness. Uh, the Greek word pistis is a word that we often use for faith. Right? It, it's a noun, and it, but it can be used in two different ways. It can be used to describe faith, as in, I have faith in Christ, or 
it can be the quality of faithfulness. And that's the way that it's being used here. Because God is faithful. That means that God can be completely relied upon. And because that's what God is like, we too should be faithful. Disciples of Jesus should be faithful. Disciples of Jesus should be reliable. As a Christian, you should be the most faithful and the most reliable employee in your workplace. If you're a boss, you as a Christian should be the most faithful and the most reliable person to your clients. This is faithfulness. Gentleness. To be gentle, mild, friendliness. Some, some Bibles translate it as meekness. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we describe a person as being a gentle giant, right? Can you think of any gentle giants? I, I know a few. Uh, they're, they're big, strong men who basically they could snap you like a twig. You know what I mean? And yet I know some people like this, and yet they're so gentle. that They, they don't use their strength to bully they don't use their strength to get their own way. Now, that's the sort of gentleness we're talking about. You know, a lot of times we think about gent gentleness and we equate it with weakness. It's nothing of the sort. Gentleness is strength controlled by the Spirit. And then the final one on the list is self-control. And the Greek word behind self-control it's actually more about the control of one's passions, right? So you know how when we talk about self-control, we would normally think about, ah, oh, it means I'm not going to blow my top, right? But the Greek word for self-control here is actually more about one's passions. It's, it's um, self-control when it comes to sensual desires. Uh, self-control is something that I'm battling really hard with at the moment because since I injured my knee, I put on a fair bit of weight and I'm trying desperately to lose that weight again now. And self-control's really hard when you have a cook like my wife and, and, um, and cook like some of you. And um, I just saw Bernie bring a cooking device in. I'd say there's probably going to be something yummy for smokers. Self-control is going to be really hard. But this is the sort of self-control we're talking about. Or for you, it might be the self-control that you need so that when you're at the beach, your eyes don't follow the bikini bird as she walks past, right? This is the sort of self-control we're talking about. So that's the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, one fruit, which is the character of Christ, many flavours, and that should all be developing in our lives as we keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the thing is, that's not a definitive list either. It just gives us a picture of the character of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So that's all very good and nice, but what, what do we do with that list? Well, you know what? It's more about what God is doing with that list. See, as I go through that list, I realise something about myself. One thing I realise is that God has brought me a long way. 
as I've walked with God through the years, he's been changing me and he's brought me a long way. But that also highlights something else is that he's still got a long way to bring me. Um, there's still those fruit still need a fair bit of developing. And that's the thing with fruit. Fruit grows. Fruit develops. So at home at the moment, we've got, we got a couple of orange trees and a mandarin tree, and they're, they're almost ready to pick. We've actually picked a few of the ripest of them, and there's some more there that are probably ready to pick now. But that orange tree, it flowered and it set fruit. It started growing these tiny little oranges way back while we still had some of last season's crop on it. Uh, it would have been right back in about September or October, somewhere around there. It, it had already set these tiny, tiny little oranges. And they've been growing and growing and growing. And most of them have still got a fair green tinge on them. It's taking a long time. So it is with the fruit of the Spirit. When we give our lives to Jesus and crucify the fleshly nature, we will immediately notice this work of the Spirit um, growing the very character of Christ in us. Right? That comes with our salvation. But it starts small. And keeps growing. And this, the biblical term for this is, sorry, the theological term is sanctification. Um, the fruit of the Spirit will be growing in us. But we will not be perfected until the day of Jesus is coming. And so there's times when I get so frustrated with myself. God, please, please get rid of that old fleshly Michael. I am fed up with him. And I want to see more of the character of Christ in me. Do any of you ever feel that way? Yeah, you want to see the end of the old fleshy Michael too. Yeah, very good. Um, well, look, be encouraged. And I need to be encouraged too because God hasn't given up on us. He hasn't given up on me and he hasn't given up on you either. And let us not give up on him. The task for us is to live each day keeping in step with the Spirit. And that'll, that'll include renouncing the flesh. All right? I have crucified the flesh. Did that when I first started following Jesus. But every now and then, the old Michael tries to wiggle down off that cross again and I need to stick another nail in him and, and repent again. Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And... I need to commit to walking with Christ and keeping in step with the Spirit daily that this fruit, that the very character of Jesus would become the dominant feature in my life. It takes time, you know. Um, talked about our citrus trees before. Just this year, we've never had trouble with fruit fly in our citrus here before. Uh, but this summer was a very cool summer. Uh, usually, the, the, see, the fruit fly can't live when it's above a certain temperature. But this summer's been cooler, and so the fruit fly got into the trees, and, and we lost a lot of fruit, particularly the mandarins. A lot of the mandarins dropped with fruit fly. And um, 
but once I realised what was happening, we could put baits out for them. But the thing is, I th I th I'd given up on that, thinking, you know what, there's virtually no fruit there, and you sort of look at it, and they still had a bit of a green tinge to them, and it hardly looked like there was any fruit. But it was only a few days ago, I was outside near that mandarin tree, and I saw it, and I thought, that thing's loaded, right? There are mandarins everywhere there. And what it is, is the fruit has ripened and we've got these bright orange there. And this is something that can happen for us. We think that the fruit of the spirit is just dwindling or there's not much there. But as the fruit grows and ripens, it can become the dominant feature of our lives. It, it, it's so that somebody will see this person and go, wow, that person... There's something about their character. And you know what it is? It's the character of Jesus becoming the dominant feature of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you are perfect. We've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And you are full of these characteristics. This is you. And Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to keep in step with your spirit, that the very character of your son would become our character. And Lord, may we be a witness to you in this. We know that when we are characterised by the works of the flesh, that the world can see us and gloat because the works of the flesh are showing us up as bad eggs. And we give you a bad name. But Lord, may we honour you as we keep in step with your Holy Spirit, that our lives may overflow with the fruit of your Spirit, filled with this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Lord, may the fruit of your spirit become the dominant feature of our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.